0: You're listening to Ember Weekend, your working recap of all things Ember. This is episode 57. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we're
1: here to keep you in the Ember unloop. loop. We're broadcasting from Hatch Rocket HQ, and this week's episode is called Google Can See Us Now. So this week we want to do something a little different. Uh, we're, uh, normally we like to do, you know, kind of a newsy style, let me give you a few things to check out. Uh, but today we're just going to talk about the restructuring we've been doing to Ember Weekend. Ember Weekend is... Uh, is a site that allows you to listen to our podcast. It has a little built-in audio player and a blog side and a few other things that, uh, you know, it's just our way of really exploring the Ember space. And uh, recently, we kind of had to do some restructuring to utilize some of the newer technologies just to kind of dive headfirst into it. So uh, the first thing we want to talk about is Ember Weekend on Elixir.
0: Yeah, so if you saw us at EmberConf, we were busy plugging away trying to get uh, the back end of Ember Weekend uh, ready. Like, uh, we didn't really have a back end before. If you've ever taken a look at the source, which all of Ember Weekend is open source, so you know go check it out, especially if you're looking at uh, doing fast-boot work. Before, we just had a kind of a big JSON file that was getting uh, sent to the client. So basically, even on the episode index, you were getting all of the show notes for every episode. And, We did that in the beginning because it was basically the easiest way for us to um, spin up content and, you know, get things out and also have uh, versioned content, which we thought was uh, pretty important. Later, that became kind of a performance issue because we ended up with something like 400, 500 show notes and, you know, 50 something episodes. And it started to, you know, show its head in like three, four second load times. And then when later on, when we started converting over to JSON API... Um, so that Mirage in production was returning JSON API to itself. Uh, just the serialization of that JSON API, um, which is a larger JSON payload than a normal uh, like REST style JSON would uh, give back, ended up taking load times up to something like 15 or 16 seconds. Um, so that was just completely, you know, not acceptable. Yeah, it was a bit, It was a big blocker, and you know, a big part of uh, of what we saw
1: was that uh, when you start to using Mirage in production, it's really not meant to do that, so it's not optimized for you know a few thousand objects to be inserted into the 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 database that it uh, is responsible for. So it's, it's it's no wonder that it it kind of you know started becoming a bottleneck for us. Uh, we got away with a lot um, early on because we had so few objects and we were utilizing some um, transform stuff as well, which uh, which basically allowed us to use. Complex objects, so we didn't really have actual objects for certain parts. They were just, like, pojos, and that obviously let us uh, do a lot more. But, yeah, it definitely became a, a blocker, um, and eventually we realized that not only is that a blocker, but fundamentally Mirage uh, will not run in fast boot. So when we um, started realizing that that was uh, approaching a maturity level that we felt comfortable with going towards, we definitely had to take a step back and reevaluate how we're doing all this stuff.
0: Yeah, and it was kind of bugging me a little bit that this Ember app wasn't uh, like a canonical Ember app. It wasn't something that I would ever write uh, if a client came in and asked me for something. It's not something that is long term, um, you know, viable. And so we started trying to like think about like what are what are the the Ember ways to do all of these things. Um, so definitely switching the JSON API was, you know, that seems to be what um, everyone in Ember is kind of switching to, and we really wanted to explore that. Um, and then, you know, having an actual, an actual API backend um, with a real database. Um, so that was something that we you know thought was pretty important and it actually really helps with performance, <laughs> surprisingly. Obviously. Yeah, right. Uh, so, and then the last thing that we're kind of um, moving toward is having an actual admin panel because right. the way that we're deploying episodes right now is a little bit, you know, ad hoc and weird and. Uh, We still basically create some JSON structure and then run a command to push it to the database. Um, But we do have a fully fledged back end now that that has GitHub authentication support. And we can do creates and deletes and updates on all of these different records, which now, you know, our object model has kind of ballooned out because we have, um, you know, a more normalized set of objects rather than these kind of complex pojos being returned back as children of a few small, you know, models. And, um, so we definitely need some kind of admin panel to work on these and build these things up and be able to upload an episode. And there's certain things like building the RSS feed, uh, that we realize that we need certain information off the media that we're uploading. Um, so that's gonna have to be taken into account. And, um, I don't know, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, I'm definitely happy with the API and the performance of Phoenix. Yeah. I think that's been one of the bigger things that I've been really impressed with is just
1: how performant the Elixir, um, stuff, the Elixir side of things can be with Phoenix, um, and then not only that, uh, okay, so I maybe I'm speaking out of turn because you did most of the work here, Chase, but um, it seemed like it had a very similar development flow to uh, something like Rails, which is a pretty good development flow. I know that there were some hurdles uh, with regard to things like test diffs and things like that. There's some like areas where uh, it doesn't have some of the niceties or developer ergonomics that you come to expect in something like Rails, but the development speed wasn't that bad. I, I think this took you maybe two or three weeks or something like that, uh, and it's pretty robust, and I think most of that was really spent um, understanding uh, the serialization layer with JSON API. Is that is that
0: about right. right? Right. I mean, a lot of that was me reading the Phoenix and the Elixir book, starting basically from no real experience, and then not really straight like every night going home and coding on this. It was more like, whenever I'd get some, some time, which mostly you know, came about like on the flight to EmberConf and then at EmberConf and then on the flight back. Um, but obviously, you know, not much time at home, uh, with us doing the podcast and also preparing for training. So, so it really wasn't like three weeks straight programming. It was really, if I was doing it at a, at an office, you know, and it was my job it would have been done in maybe a few days. Yeah. That's, that was the kind of the vibe I got as well is that, you know, these, these
1: actions are, um, you know, it's mostly CRUD style uh, cycles that you were doing. And uh, once you got into a flow, I, I distinctly recall asking for a couple of actions when I was doing the front end refactor. And they were done in, uh, you know, a few minutes, you know. So that, it was, it, I was very surprised with this. So, yeah, Ember Weekend on Elixir is, uh, Elixir in Phoenix is it's pretty cool. It's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and that's also open source. There's a different repo. It's like Ember underscore Weekend underscore API, I think. I think it's dash, um,
1: dash rise. The Ember dash weekend uh, organization contains both the front end and back end.
0: Right, yeah. So, yeah, they're all dash rise there, but it looks or likes things underscored. So, locally, it's it's underscored for me. But Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of annoying. Uh, but the but so, um, one of the things, if you go poking around the source of that, you'll notice that the tests are super verbose um, because we're testing, like, huge blocks of JSON API response and request bodies. Um, mostly that was because we were also at the time kind of experimenting with how we're going to structure our data and how JSON API is going to look. Uh, there are libraries out there that can make those tests much more readable and understandable. Like uh, I think Voorhees is one of them, um, mm. and yeah. uh, there are other libraries too that make the, the the request side of that better and like building these documents up. Uh, but we didn't really want to e- extract all of those things and and make the tests super clean because uh, they were constantly changing and we didn't want to introduce bad abstractions early on. Um, So I'm actually pretty happy with the way it is now.
1: Yeah, I was able to use those um, in the front end when I was uh, doing the refactor there because I had to remodel Mirage, so our taste would run, um, to that stuff. And I was able to go and look and say, oh, this is exactly what it expects, and this is exactly what I'm sending it. And then uh, that that was actually very helpful. Right. So, yeah, this was was a good experience. So uh, the next thing uh,
0: we want to talk about is uh, Ember Weekend on Heroku. Right, so all of Ember Weekend now is on Heroku. We have uh, Fastboot deployed to Heroku with the fa- uh, the Fastboot build pack, and we have the Elixir backend deployed with the Elixir build pack.
1: Yeah, this was a really good experience. Um, I saw the, uh, I wanna say it was the keynote where Tom Dale, no, I don't remember exactly what talk it was, but Tom Dale shows the, the Ember CLI deploy being used to provision and deploy a Fastboot server to EBS. And that was really impressive, uh, but I know that Terrence Lee and some of the other Heroku people have been working really tirelessly to make the Heroku experience really good. So uh, here at HashRocket, we frequently use Heroku to get, uh, you know, startup projects specifically um, going quickly. And uh, I was really excited to see, you know, how this would look and, you know, what the process would be here. So it ended up being uh, really great on the fast food side everything was kind of simple i think we're we're still we have we have some concerns about uh fast boot that we're going to talk about in a minute regard regarding uh productionizing is that is that even the word what's the word here
0: (laughs) sure that's a word yeah productionizing,
1: making it ready for production yeah uh so yeah so there's still a lot of that to 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 go on but uh the fastboot side of our heroku deploy was very very simple Uh, obviously SSL is kind of a concern. Um, We have our own SSL certificate, specifically for like Twitter cards and things like that. If you have unsecured uh, assets or URLs, Twitter cards won't work. So you have to have SSL, which is good. I mean, we were going to have, we've always had SSL on Ember Weekend. That being said, we still had to use the Heroku SSL endpoint and we couldn't use the free version um, because of reasons. Although I'm sure we could have, but we didn't really want to, we wanted to have the Ember Weekend SSL cert. Yeah, I like that little cool little green lock yeah well of course of course but uh, yeah I mean that the 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 cost of the SSL thing is actually the only thing that I, I have a, a kind of like a little cringy feeling about but aside from that everything else was flawless
0: yeah and similarly the the Heroku build pack for elixir is just super easy to set up there's um, like a really simple config file that has a you know I think three lines of configuration um, that're pretty much standard um, so it's very easy um, the you know the couple of concerns we had were that the response times on uh, your development machine are going to be considerably higher than even like i think what's yeah hobby the hob- level? hobby
1: dev is i think what we're at right now
0: yeah and um like i think but we're still i think sub 100 millisecond responses most of the time
1: yeah most of the time and 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 i think that has to do with uh how it gets um uh, propagated Roudin. as well because the first the first day um, the response times were considerably higher, and then the second day they were they were they went down, and I think they've gone down even even a little bit more since then.
0: Uh, but yeah, the routing layer, the Heroku routing layer, is actually one of the
1: one of the concerns there in the Elixir build
0: pack. Right, and so this is one of the areas where we're like, well, we have an Ember app being served with FastBoot, where we're trying we're just trying to get the times down below a second. So worrying about the Elixir side being you know below 100 milliseconds isn't really worth it. Um, and internally, it's like uh, the Ember app is actually requesting this data for the first time, at least. So the first time the user sees it, that data came from like from Heroku to Heroku or from Amazon to Amazon, really. So it, it's going to be pretty fast. So it's not a huge concern. We even have, like, there's a couple of places where the Ecto queries are like N plus one and they're, you know, not the most efficient. There's a couple of places where the JSON API is being serialized in a way that makes it perform uh like pretty bad that we can fix later we know how to do that. But again, this is like one of the things with Elixir is it's so fast that I don't really want to spend a lot of time optimizing this because it's faster than almost any other way we could have written it. If we if we had a Rails backend uh and we got down to a hundred millisecond response, we would be like, well we're done forever.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um well I would be I would be definitely satisfied with a hundred milliseconds in Rails for sure. But I mean when you see when you see like you know some responses coming back in, you know like 20 milliseconds on your local machine and then you push it up and it goes to 100 milliseconds. It, it your your perspective
0: changes. That's one of the things about elixir that's been really weird. Right. And and the solution to this and another reason why we're not really worrying about the actually making the elixir side super efficient query wise is that we're going to end up putting a CDN probably in front of both places. Um so that the API uh has a CDN in front of these static, you know, give me all episode queries or give me this episode or you know, episode two, three, four, you know, each one of those. Um, and then, and those don't even have user responses. So they're basically only ever going to be however many episodes there are number of copies. Um, and then the worst thing we have to do is worry about busting that cache, you know, the right at the right time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely want to talk about that uh, in the next section, which is uh, not just touching on the caching layer for the Elixir thing, but also uh, caching the Fastboot layer. So the last thing we're going to talk about is Ember Weekend on Fastboot. So as we mentioned before, Heroku made the deployment of the Fastboot uh, server really, really simple. Um, we're noticing uh, some really great uh, things on like throttled networks. So when we do some testing locally and we uh, the Firebase app is still up right now, that is still running the old way. So we've been doing kind of benchmarks against these two things. And when we throttle it down to a kind of low speed connection, um, you end up seeing the time-to-first content, like the the thing that you first see where you actually start seeing something that looks like the website, is much faster on Fastboot. And then as we keep going up towards um, a better internet connection, we notice that that becomes less and less apparent, and eventually the at no throttling, the old way tends to perform faster. Uh, a lot of this has to do with um, caching, which we were talking about earlier, is especially with our app, uh, since this has a lot of Uh, non-dynamic data we are we really need to be putting a cdn in front of uh, in front of fastboot and that will speed up almost all of our responses because once they're hit one time you incur the cost only once and then for at least a day or maybe maybe even a week because we release weekly uh, you just serve you just do http caching and just serve the http straight away so it'll be as fast as your cdn is so um, I'm excited about that, and I think we're going to end up using something like CloudFront, and then point our don- domains to that, and then only hit the Heroku app when the cache misses, and that would um, basically like reduce the time spent uh, loading the initial page by like tremendous amounts for pretty much everybody. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see the potential. The, the potential upsides of this are are huge. Um, we're also uh, we also talked to Terence about how we can install. Uh, fastly as a cdn in front of um, some of the assets Uh, this might be uh, different than what i was just talking about but uh, you can do a prepend url and just prepend your cdn uh, so that your assets are served via cdn so you could even make the heroku response a little faster as well uh yeah and there's there's a there's a lot more
0: uh things we've learned about fastboot uh one of them being that when the first page is loaded Right, and you get that index HTML back, and it has whatever page you're actually on, all the content rendered in there. Um, If you don't have a CDN in front of it, the all the assets that get requested from each user um, get then requested again from the same fastboot server. So fastboot server is crunching away trying to build web pages, uh, build the index HTML, and it's also having to deal with you know just giving you some JavaScript file or giving you these static assets, and that's one of the huge benefits of putting the CDN in front of those assets. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And we're going to end up, uh, I I think we're going to end up with some really great response times. Um, I believe this is a similar approach to what uh, Dockyard is doing, although I think they're doing some Nginx caching, if I'm correct. I think Dan was talking about that in Slack, Uh, Dan McLean. So some of the advantages here of of all of this, um, and these are things that we've been thinking about for a long time, is we really want Google to be able to understand... um, who we are so uh, we want to be indexable we want to be cashable i mean this is not like a i'm not going to go preaching about progressive enhancement or anything like that but um as a as a as an easy process this was relatively painless for us you know we get to see all these advantages where google is going to start crawling us i added some og tags uh, some open graph meta tags for uh, Twitter cards to the episodes, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more creative with that um, soon. Hopefully, we'll have a player uh, Twitter card so you can actually play it right there in your Twitter client. And there's a there's a lot more. Uh, that's it's just a really exciting uh, time to start dealing with these kind of problems. Like we're starting to see Ember have have answers to some of its biggest criticisms thus far, um, that of you know SEO, that of um, you know initial download speed or template rendering in Android. And I'm really excited about it. I know this is like super early and you probably don't need to look at us for our performance because we have a long way to go before we start uh really seeing the fast and fast boot. Um, just because there's a lot of us a lot of stuff for us to learn. But uh so far it's been a really, really awesome experience. And, you know, I just want to thank out the thank the fast boot team and all the people who have been in the Slack the Fastboot Slack channel helping. Uh, I've gotten a lot of assistance. So um yeah, it's been wonderful.
0: Yeah, and no, it actually uh, from having to deal with the, the slow connection test that we've been doing, um, it's made me think about uh, how we render some of the links uh, to other pages in this uh, in the site. Um, we were, you know we typically like uh, on a, on like say a row going from an episode to the episode show, we're like, oh yeah, we'll render the link for the episode. And that works great even if you have JavaScript disabled. Or if, say, in this case, in Fastboot, Fastboot returns the view quickly, but then doesn't ever hook up the JavaScript in time for you to click on it, it will still make you do a hard refresh to the next page. And hopefully in that one, you're reading it long enough for the you know the page to rehydrate the JavaScript. Um, but one of the places we didn't do it was on the actual player button, um, that just is, you know, all JavaScript. So if you tap that play button too fast um, and the JavaScript hasn't loaded, what ends up happening is it it just, you know, doesn't hook up and it make you know gives you an anchor in the URL, which is you know nobody likes that. Um, so we're what we're getting up doing is uh, just setting those to the URLs of the um, the MP3 files, so that if the site's loading slow because you're on a slow network and you tap that button, well, the worst thing that could happen is that you would just end up on the exact URL to the MP3 and it would start playing. So right. So it's not the best experience, but uh, but it's better than just you know tapping it and be like what's happening, what's happening, and you know getting frustrated. Yeah, and and you know th- this this brings up a really great point. Um,
1: throughout this process of of migrating over to Fastboot, several times I've had to really start thinking about what this means with Ember being allowed to run in Node Land and render your stuff uh, in Node Land. Um, now Ember is kind of in a weird place. You you have to approach your app as a thing that is going to be multi-target. So. You have to think about, and, and there's some great tools out there, Ember Ajax being one of them, to try to help um, make that less uh, obvious to you. But you do have to think about where am I, where where do I want what functionality? You know, so if I'm on this page, and I need to load this content, well, if this content needs an XHR request, I have to now say, okay, well, if I'm in Node, I want to use you know, Ajax probably, uh, or uh, if I'm in Ember, I want to use uh, Ajax or how do I get the uh, the location? For one of the meta tags, requires uh, the canonical URL to the page, which can be inferred. So I don't know why it's part of the Open Graph spec, but um, they want that. And you know, in in a browser, it's just window.location.href, and that's it. You're done. Great, everything's perfect. That's in every browser forever. You know, um, but in in FastBoot land or in Node land, the request doesn't really exist. Um, but you can still get that information with the fast food service. But you have to you have to think about these things ahead of time and really kind of it's not just Land versus Ember, but now you have to think about your application. Your Ember application is like, this is not Dom. It's not always DOM. It's not I'm not always going to be in the browser when I'm doing these things. And as soon as you start thinking about that, it opens up a lot of questions and it makes you start thinking about the possibilities of the future. Like if this can run in Land, it could probably run elsewhere. Ember as kind of a A tool for building applications um, versus a thing that runs in the browser and you know does all this magic
0: so just to recap uh, Ember weekend is now on elixir uh, for the api and on fastboot to you know build the page you're seeing and both of those ends are on heroku so a lot of changes uh, a lot of changes to come yeah and it's been
1: really really fun once again thanks to all the people who've been putting tons of tireless work into this it's much appreciated yeah,
0: and all the people that we ping in Slack uh, while, while doing any of this work. And <laughs> thanks for all that help. Definitely. Thanks for listening to Ember Weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com. Or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next weekend.